Welcome back to another episode of the Gen Z Football Podcast. I'm Ryan Shop, and with me as always is Tom Hayes. How are you? Yeah, good. And yourself? Yeah, not bad. Actually, no, I'm not good. <laughs> not good? It's a lie. It's a cover story. No, yeah, I didn't think you were that good. I've been better, for sure. Mm-hmm. Just coming off the back of probably the worst loss I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but, you know. you know, we'll talk about that later, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, in this podcast, we'll be going over the week in the rundown. And our main segment this week will be discussing the handball rule, getting our opinions and maybe coming up with a few ideas of how it should be implemented in the future. Mm-hmm. And yeah. There's no games this week as well, or international break, so there is international games. Um, but we won't really uh, delve into that too much. Um, and then what else do we have? There's a bunch of transfers to talk about as well. Um, and yeah, that's about it. For this week, so we'll go on to the rundown. This week on the rundown, the UEFA Champions League draw was announced, and the groups are well, the groups are so. Group A, we have Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, RB Salzburg, and Lokomotiv Moscow. Group B is Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, Inter, and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Group C, we have Porto, Manchester City, Olympiacos, and Marseille. Group D, we have Liverpool, Ajax, Atalanta, and Midtjylland from Denmark. Group E consists of Sevilla, Chelsea, Krasnodar from Russia, and Rennes. Group F, we have Zenit, Dortmund, Lazio, and Club Brugge. Uh, Group G, we have Juventus, uh, Barcelona, Dynamo Kiev and Ferran Varos from Hungary. And lastly, Group H, probably the most exciting group. We have PSG, Manchester United, RB Leipzig and Istanbul Basakşehir from Turkey. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah. Um, what, what's, your, what's your most exciting group from there? A. a couple. You reckon Group A? I reckon Group A is pretty easy, to be honest. What? I can buy an Atletico or go through there. We'll, we'll have an episode about this, but my first thought was that Group H, uh, PSG, Man U, Leipzig will have a tussle for maybe second and third with Leipzig and Man U. Um, group F could also, Dortmund, Zenit, Lazio, maybe there. Um, where else? Zenit, group group D looks exciting. Ajax, Atlanta, Liverpool, maybe a lot of goals. E? E, Sevilla, Chelsea should go through. Chelsea should probably top that group, to be honest. Yeah, you mean win the whole thing? No, I don't mean that. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, Group G, Juventus, Barcelona should go through. Uh, group C, Porto, Man City should go through. Group B, Real Madrid, maybe Inter should go through. I don't know about Shakhtar. I think they should probably. That'll probably be an interesting group, to be fair. But yeah, I think Group H is not the group of death, but it's definitely going to be the most exciting, I believe. But we'll we'll have to wait and see. And yeah, we'll have an episode on that. Um, probably the week before. Um, the games are played. The fixtures uh have been released. The first game week will be on the twenty second, oh twenty first, twenty second of October. Um, so yeah. That's pretty much all we had for the rundown this week. There's not a whole, not a great deal. Um, but yeah, we'll now move on 
to the results from last week of games. And that was the rundown. So for the results this week, we had the remaining match week three games. Uh, there's only two games there as well as eight match week four games. Um, we'll go through each of them, um, share what our tips were last week and talk the talking points if there is any. Um, for a couple, there definitely is. <laughs> so for the first game, there was uh, Fulham nil, Aston Villa 3. What was your tip there? A 2-1 Aston Villa. Yeah, and I had the same. If you remember correctly from last week, me and Shelby had quite a few tips, the exact same. So you're probably going to hear the word same a lot in the next two to three minutes. <laughs> but yeah, same there, 2-1 Aston Villa. Um, but yeah, we grab a point there. Was there anything you want to talk about in that game? Not really. Quite same. expected. Yeah, I say quite expected game. Fulham being pretty disappointing this year so far in the early days, but I don't really see them going very high this year. Uh, the next game, last game, match week three, was Liverpool 3, Arsenal 1. What was your prediction there? 2-1, Liverpool. Same again. Uh, one point each as well, which takes us both to 20, uh, all tied up at this stage. Um, what I will say, Jota scored his first goal uh, for Liverpool uh, in the Premier League. That was pretty much the only significant part of that game. But I could say probably another expected result on the back of the yeah. performances there. I, I think um, Mohamed Salah was a bit... Bit uh, reluctant to give Jota the ball at any point. Oh yeah, so he was, was pretty. One, he was yeah. pretty lucky to get a goal. There was one stage, I believe, Jota pretty much had the ball in his possession, and Salah swiped across him. <laughs> they yeah. both would dis. They both dispossessed themselves of the ball. So, yeah, there was stages. He probably could have scored two in the end that game. But yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll move on to match week four. The first game we had there was Chelsea four, Crystal Palace nil. Is there anything you want to talk about in that game? Um, well, uh, it, expected result. I mean, I'm biased, but <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I don't think it was the expected result. I, a lot oh, of people win, probably win was expected. Well, the the resu- well, not the, the result, but the win was expected. Yeah, I'd say that. Um, Crystal Palace were probably seen as some form of threat. I really don't know how. Um, they weren't really. They weren't really playing the same game for a lot of it. Mm. They came out good for the first 10 minutes, I thought. Uh, but Chelsea... Well, the first half, they were all right. Hey? The first half, they were all right. It was they were all right time. the first half. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like a, a Premier League team playing a championship team. Mm. It was Similar like, to, you know, other matches probably this year. I think... I, I mean, the they, they had some good points, but I don't know. Uh, Chelsea held possession... Um, Really played round. Yeah, um, I think the, the best way to probably describe it. And they were they were experimenting with the uh, f- uh, formation at the start too. So yeah, I think the best way to probably describe it was uh, Crystal Palace were pretty much hanging on, mm. playing pretty defensively. You'd say. I mean, the there was a f- there was a few um, mishaps by Chelsea that they could have taken advantage of, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it was pretty clinical yeah. by Chelsea. And you can probably tell. Yeah, second half scoring four goals, let off the leash there and well and truly finished them off. Yeah, what did well, you predict? Yeah, but two of them were penalties. Um, yeah. But still, deserved penalties, I'd say. Yeah, they are fair enough. Um, what did you predict for that game? I predicted 2-1 Chelsea. Same. So, again, one point each takes us to 21 I, apiece. I would put in that, I only put one 
because I wasn't sure if Mendy was starting. Mm. Um, well, now we know he'll pretty much probably yeah, start every I, I still might, just because of Chelsea's back line, I still might keep adding a one in just because the goes. tendency to concede until that kind of fades away, hopefully. with uh, Yeah, I'm pretty reluctant to put in like nil games at the moment because of... It's a goal fest at the moment. The amount of, yeah, the rate that goals are coming in at the moment and as well as penalties. Penalties are becoming more more consistent across yeah. uh, game weeks. So that's something we have to think about as well as in FPL as well. I'm not really going for clean sheets as well. I'm playing three at the back in mine. Yeah. But, well, yeah. speaking of, well, when we get to Man, uh, Man United, we can speak a bit more about penalties. Oh, but. yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, what do we have next game? We have Everton... Uh, four, Brighton two. What did you predict there, first and foremost? I predicted 5-1 to uh, Everton. I thought it was bold and was pretty close in the end. Um, I did 3-0 Everton, which again, was also somewhat close. Um, yeah, one point each again there. Is there anything that you want to talk about in this game? No. Um, Everton, surprising, continuing their surprising run. It's less and less surprising every week, obviously. Um yeah, I think you were right in terms of um, your prediction for the rising star Big Dom. Um, breakout season um, with Dominic right. Calvert-Lewin. Um, I'd probably say I agree with you now after, <laughs> what, four matches. Um, Still a long way to go. He could easily hit a wall. Yeah, he's, he's recently got his first uh, England yes. call-up, which is, you know, for someone who wasn't really had much attention wasn't paid on really him. really considered to be part of that squad. <laughs> Four or five weeks ago. Yeah. To be put into the England squad is pretty big. Um, yep. Yeah. Good I to see. The only concerning... Oh, like I can't be too critical, mainly because of the position they're in on the table right now. Yeah. But the only concerning part of that result is they still conceded twice. If they had conceded none and maybe kept that a clean sheet, there's been a couple of question marks over Pickford mm. um, and his place in the squad and how he differs from the England squad to the Everton squad. Um, but yeah, I don't know what he's or how comfortable he would feel right now as the Everton's number one goalie. Um, not not so much for the near future, but maybe mm. for the long term future. Um, uh, they don't have anyone cool. else. Really. Yeah, they don't really have um, anyone at the moment. I mean, he's good. He he's lost a bit of his um, passion drive. I don't know what it is. Um, he plays completely differently, though. I think the way Ancelotti plays compared to um, the way he plays uh, yeah. in England. So, yeah, I guess it's, it's something. It's still early days. Like it's still at that point where we can't, you know, make too many of those rash well, judgments. Yeah. I mean, is it too early to think that uh, Carlo Ancelotti will be um, the you know manager of the season? I, I would be putting his hat. It'd be definitely, yeah, he'd definitely have his tip in right now, but again. Anyway, moving on. Yes. Next game we had was Leeds. Wait, yeah, Leeds won, Manchester City won, which I'll probably Leeds say right now is the first uh, first surprise result of the game week, um, and it's not the last, that's for sure. No. Uh, what did you predict for this one? I predicted 2-3 um, City, so almost a draw. Yeah, I thought City were going to run away with it. Yeah. Four one, um, and again, proved to be quite disappointing for them. Um, Leeds, I don't want to say surprisingly, but they dominated the game. Um, they had uh, a lot more possession than Manchester City, which is unlikely for a Pep Guardiola side, um, but probably likely for a Bielsa side. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also had a higher XG 
um, or expected goals. Um, so, yeah, they had more chances at the end of the day, uh, more shots on target. So, yeah, that's the team that's going to win the win the bickies. Yeah. Um, also, if you, if you want to be technical, uh, not technical, but if you want to look into it, um, more stats, look how much um, Manchester City's side is worth in terms of transfer oh, fee. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's a Compared thing. to Leeds, I mean... We could, yeah. we could make a dedicated two-hour episode to, to Manchester City. How much spending. money has Manchester City wasted? Um, oh, my God. I saw a thing the other day said that um, Fermi Sports Group bought Liverpool for 300,000? No, 300 yeah, million? Something like that. And yeah, Man City have spent more on defenders than what Liverpool's actually bought Oh, Man for. City were bought by Sheikh Mansour, I don't know, probably less than that. Yeah. Um, they're worth a lot more now. Um, oh, 100%. But, you know, people, some people the dark corners of the internet were bringing up things, like, oh, they're going to sack Pep. Said, no. no, Pep is untouchable. And, yeah. Unless he goes a whole season, if he get if they get relegated, I reckon they could sack him. Otherwise, they're I not going to sack finish, him. Finish bottom 10, they would. No. The expectations would come. The expectations are high, but he's, I don't reckon it's his fault either. Bottom 10, you have to. There's no way. Maybe. But the, what he's done, Actually, I reckon no, he I deserves yeah, a, that's kind of a folly season. But that's the th- same thing. I mean, then like, again, I'm he to was... put myself in that position. Like, think about if yeah. Liverpool finished there, would they sack Klopp? Well, arguably, Pep's done more for Man City than Klopp has done for Liverpool. Depend, you, depends. Well, no, statistically he has. Statistically. Trophies. Yeah. He hasn't done the one thing they wanted him to do yet, which is win the Champions League. Maybe yeah. that's what he's doing this year. Maybe he's focusing on Champions League. I haven't that done started yet, so you can't even factor that in yet. No. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, but this time last year, the current champions hadn't dropped any points. Yeah. So, well, I think, yeah. Like Everton. All the teams that we've expected to be up there have all dropped points. They've all lost one game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, At every least all of all them have lost one game. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on. Yeah, we'll move on to another one. We had Newcastle three. Yeah, Newcastle three, Burnley one. What did you predict for this one? Uh, two two draw. Yeah, I also went a draw, but went one one. No points there. Still twenty two apiece. Um, the only uh, main part of this game I saw was Callum Wilson scoring a brace. It's becoming Quite a decent signing for Newcastle. Probably their most prominent striker at the at this stage, and he's proving to be, you know, well worth the money at this point. Uh, he wasn't even that expensive, yeah. so I think yeah, we'll have to keep seeing how that one goes. But yeah, at this stage, he's been not too shabby. Um, yeah, the tunes done done pretty well so so far. It's Fraser Fraser hasn't played yet for them. I don't believe. I don't believe so. I'm not. Yeah. Not too. I don't know. I don't know about his fitness sure. or. What the go is there? Anyway, next game we had was Wolves one Fulham nil. What did you predict for this one? Uh, three, nil, three nil Wolves. Yeah, I went uh, two nil Wolves. So we both grab a point there. Um, was there any real talking point here? Probably would have expected more from a Wolves side. Yep. Against Fulham, I think that's the Fulham only let, been, down, let down there. Um, I don't think anyone would dispute that Fulham have been the worst. Yeah, so definitely. far. And Fulham, West Brom are equally the worst in the league right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's hard to see 
Sheffield haven't been too great. No, either. Sheffield second season syndrome gets thrown around a bit. I mean, it's only metric four. But then again, if it's hard to see Fulham coming back from this. Because um, even when you looked at Norwich last year, they won a few games. Yeah. First few games. Well, they won the, their third game or something against Man City. So yeah. um, They did the double against City. Yeah. So <laughs> Which was like half their That winning. would have given them a, a morale boost and what mm-hmm. they needed. Fulham, I do not know what training would be like at Fulham at the moment. Yeah. You'd have to get them... I don't know how... They need to find some form of hope because this is just... They're just going to go straight back down again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, the next game we had was Leicester nil West Ham 3. Yep. What did you predict for that one? I predicted 3-1 Leicester. Yep. So, the opposite. Did the exact same um, as well, which keeps the scores tight once again um again probably another surprise result west ham coming off the back of a 4-0 win at wolves and leicester coming off the back of a 5-2 win at city Mm. so both teams have been able to find the net but only west ham was able to yeah there hasn't been much consistency this year with the teams i mean there's only been four rounds i know we keep saying that but still there's last year there was decent in the first four rounds there was decent consistency yeah you could easily tell like which teams are going to do bad Win and or do, lose be successful. Or... Now it's, you know... It's all over the place at this stage. Um, but yeah, no real talking points there. Uh, Mikel Antonio has scored the most goals since the restart um, back in yeah. last season. Which is something, I guess, um, for West Ham I don't fans. think that will last. I, I think it will... Yeah, it'll, it'll peter out eventually. I don't see him being... You can't you know, be propping up West Ham for the whole season. No, definitely not. Um, and the another game we had was... Southampton v West Brom, mm-hmm. which was 2-0? 3-0. Southampton's oh, way. Yes, it was. Um, what did you predict there? 1-0 Southampton. I didn't think they were going to score as many. Yeah, same again. Um, we both grab a point there. So that takes us to 24 apiece. Um, yeah, we'll move on to the final three games. Yep. Uh, what do we got? We got Arsenal two, Sheffield United one. We both predicted <laughs> three nil Arsenal. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, getting another point there. Sheffield um, managed to score this round, which is was it their them. first goal they scored this year. I don't think it's the first, but it might be the second. I generally think it might be the first. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. You you search yeah, that I'll one look up. up that. Um, and then the last two games again. Two surprising results. One I don't really want to talk about as much as the other. Um, we'll start off with the the uh, less painful one for you. Yeah, so I was actually pretty, just because it's in. I sent you a I sent you a video. I was I was waking up for the um the Liverpool game mm-hmm. at five o'clock in the morning, and I'm pretty I'm watching the the review of the United game, and I've woken up and I've seen United have just been smashed six one by Tottenham. Yeah. And I was I was pretty happy. Yeah, <laughs> only um, to find just, out a couple of hours later. Just to go back on Sheffield United, that is actually the first goal yeah. that they've scored this season, which is shocking. Yeah, Fulham more have scored more than goals than them this season. West Brom scored more than them. West Brom. Well, everyone scored more than one goal. Yeah, I, th- I suppose they haven't conceded as many as West Brom. And yeah, that's 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 mental. <laughs> it's taken them to the fourth round to score, and it scored one goal in a loss, so yeah. it didn't even account to anything. Counter to the goal difference. That's about it. Yeah, it, it might it might go to show that um, 
I know, I don't know how they have, um, they've conceded six. Yeah. So it might go to show that Henderson played a really big part. Not so much. I'd, I'd say Henderson could be the defining factor, but at the same time, he's not the one that scored goals. That is true. They did sign a striker as well, that we will talk about later. When you stop a goal, the rest of the team gets a bit of a energy boost. Like, yeah. if you can conceding goals, the attackers go, okay. Well, how much is that? If they've conceded six, and one, it's 1.5 a game. Five. Yeah, goal one goal. Anyway, yeah. on the United Spurs, so... Oh, yeah. That uh, started off pretty quick. Three goals in seven minutes. United went ahead by a penalty yeah. in the so second minute. This is what I was going to mention um, before. Um, United, I of their... I, I don't know how many goals they've actually scored this season, um, but I would say the majority have been penalties. Obviously... The majority? The majority. Reckon? Uh, well, let's have a look at their stats. This season, I know it's only been a couple of games. They played three. They've scored five. It's five penalty or five. No, goals. they've scored, scored five goals. Okay, yeah, I think three penalties, penalties should be in here. And okay, so two of the That's five two. goals. So forty percent of their goals so far have been penalties. Um, but the last two matches, penalties, um, played a big part. I mean, this didn't really define yeah. the game. However. Bruno Fernandes again with another penalty. Um, he's their penalty taker, Good so you can't really take that away from him. But if you look at the Brighton uh, game where they scored it definitely, ninety plus yeah. ten, saved them, he which was a bit of controversial them. penalty. Anyway, yeah, we'll talk about that. This penalty. was horrific. Yeah, what the penalty decision? No, not the penalty. No, oh, that the was result. Fine. Yeah, the, the, the penalty decision. The, the, uh, the result of the, the game. Yeah, for Manchester United, it's bad. And Harry bloody Kane. Yeah. Oh my god, he's definitely. If he continues like this, most assists by a hundred, and he's scoring at the same time. Yeah. Did you see? I don't know. Was it the second goal? Might have been. If there was a, if he fell down or something, he fell down and then he was awarded a free kick. But he kind of, he was only one of his hand. He did like a oh, like, like off the ground, like a off the ground thing, and he played on, and yeah. they were unexpected, and yeah. Nah, yeah. Harry Kane's been. Pretty good this season, like above average this season. Um, and he's not only, yeah, he's not only scoring goals, he's also providing assists. Both Kane <laughs> and Son scoring a brace in that demolition. Now, I think it's time. Oh, wait, actually, no, it's not time. What did you predict for that game? I predicted a 2 3 to Spurs. So I did think Spurs yeah, beat you United. Got, you actually got the better of me there because I predicted a draw. Um, I'd, yeah. I'd like to. Just on Man United's current situation, I know they haven't played many games yet and they came off, everyone thought, oh yeah, they're going to do all right because they finished third and they came off the mm. back end of the, the restart last season doing quite well. But for whatever reason, I think maybe because all the hype around Jade and Sancho is going to come and mm. um, at the moment and for a while it hasn't looked like that's actually going to happen and there's talks of getting Cavani, which is, that's it's it. not that, like it's, it's All a right. big. It's a big difference, but it's not that exciting. To. No, no, um, definitely not exciting. When the when the board are not willing to pay whatever, and there's multiple reasons that go into why they're not willing to pay wages and whatever. But what does that say to the the squad? Oh, they're looking at uh, Chelsea, um, even Liverpool with Thiago. They're looking at um, 
you know, Everton, Leicester. These, these teams that are bringing in players and going, oh, wow, that's actually making a difference. And then Man United go, well, yeah. you know, they just lose the energy in play. Mm. Um, I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is ruthless enough. Yeah. It, you have to be ruthless. I mean, Alex Ferguson, most successful Premier League manager, um, did have good players. And there are some good players. They're decent team, Man United. And they've shown lots of um, brilliance. I would say. Um, he's not getting the most out of him. I know it's very early. Um, but we saw this last year and he he, he kind of jinxed it. They kind of got some rhythm and that was good. Yeah. But, you know, he's not ruthless enough when they're not putting in the performances that need to be put in. I know he maybe doesn't have a big enough squad to bring in other players and the budget supposedly not to buy players or whoever. Mm. I, don't, I can't remember who owns... You know, they're not willing to front up the money, yeah. but that's a big problem. Sacking him will not fix it. Yeah, but it, I think if he continues down this uh, form and in another five games... Yeah, especially with a club like this. Like, a, even just a big club in general, um, yeah. sacking your manager has proven not to be the way. Oh, it doesn't. And it hasn't worked for them um, yeah. in more recent times since Ferguson left. Oh, most recent I can think of is Tottenham. Shy off the bat. Getting rid of um, what's his name? Pochettino. Pochettino. I went straight down. I think it's kind of worked now, though. Yeah, well, now it's worked because he's got a full season. Not, but Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's already had a full season. He did finish third. That's good. Yeah. But it wasn't a great performance for the majority of the season. If they didn't have the restart, yeah, they probably finished seventh. Yeah. Sixth, fifth, seventh. That's the thing. Like momentum. That a big changed killer. everything. Yeah, momentum's a big killer, and it killed off. What three or four teams yeah. that would and there won't be a, a stop and a start again. Yeah. So. Well, you hope so. No, well, well they, they won't. They if, won't they be, yeah, it, if they stop it, they stop the season. So, yeah. um, reportedly, um, so, yeah, I can see next five matches are very crucial for United. I don't know who they play, but um, but I know they've got Newcastle next, and they've got Chelsea look. the game after. So the next five matches for United are very crucial. They've got Newcastle, which. They need to win, be testy. It's at St. James. They've got Chelsea at the current form. Looks like Chelsea will beat United. Um, then they've got Arsenal, another tricky match. Mm. Then they've got current um, top of the table, Everton, who are on fire. Mm. And if worse comes to worse and they lose the next match against West Brom, Oli has to go, in my opinion. If they lose all those matches yeah. or draw and lose those matches and then lose to West Brom that, on the 5th, yeah. Uh, on the 22nd of November. And then after that, you've got Southampton, which are all right. And then West Ham, all right. They they should be beating those teams. Don't forget, Champions League also starts That will within play a factor. Fixes. And they're still in the the Carabao Cup. Yeah. And then the FA should... Cup will oh. start. So that's going to put more strain on them. That's the thing, though. We don't know their targets. What if one of their targets was to win the Carabao Cup? I know it's... That a, would be a reason. I know it's a lackluster like, trophy to win for... A, club like United not really not for their position um, but I think I think it would be reasonable at the end of the end of last season where they finished to put yeah. that as one of the targets yeah yeah would anyway one probably... would it have been one of Chelsea's then they finished below them so I... if it is for United it would be for Chelsea not to say we played terribly I think we were unlucky not to progress against Tottenham 
um, just because it was penalties. Um, but I don't think we really cared as much. Yeah. I think we were kind of focused on the league and Honestly, the Champions don't League. I feel like United would be the type of club to be intensely focused no. on Carabao Cup, especially with Champions League starting this month. I think it's... I don't think many top clubs will be because the schedule's just too packed. Anyway, to the last game. We can't keep putting this off. off. Last Um, match. What did you predict firstly? I predicted 4-0 Liverpool. And so did I. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about... Where do you even start? Uh, Um, Maybe from the first. Let's go through the game. I don't really want to talk about it too much, but we'll we'll talk about how we've been talking about other games. Yeah. Villa scored the first two goals. Ollie Watkins scored a perfect hat-trick in the game. Left foot, right foot, and a header. Marcelo scored a brace. is probably the only highlight for Liverpool. Um, and Jack Grealish, I would say he was the man of the match. Two goals yeah. and three assists. Mad. Um, I don't want to sound too biased um, with this, but I think even on a good day for Liverpool, Aston Villa... They had more chances to score. On a good day, like, take away um, the mistake, the first mistake from Adrian, and take away the three deflected goals, we still lose. So, that's how I see it in the end of the day. The the mistake, the the Grealish goal? No, the the first goal. Oh. That was the mistake. He pretty much missed his pass to Gomez, Mm. and then... Um, but he passed that... it to pretty much. He passed it to Grealish. Gomez, it went past Gomez to Grealish. Then Gomez barely defended Grealish's pass into the box to Watkins. Yeah. So um, and then there's nothing Adrian can do from bloody two yards out. So. Yeah. Uh, was a shocker. Yeah, it was like hands down the worst Liverpool performance I have seen. Probably the best Aston Villa performance I've seen. Probably. Like, I can't... I've been thinking about it. The game finished a good eight hours ago, and I've been thinking about it, and, you know, I've seen a lot of shit. I'm going to say shit. I've seen a lot of shit from, you know, so-called fans of Liverpool uh, hating on Adrian, saying it's not good enough. Um, Dayan Lovren made a post on Twitter saying um, fans need to let off and you know the players because it's a it's a team sport you can't individually hate on other players you know fans are being disrespectful to him even he's not even a current liverpool player they're telling him to shut up he's irrelevant he's not a liverpool player like it doesn't affect you mm-hmm. all right it's just it's toxic and like every every club has these sort of fans like you know that get too ahead of themselves and think you know yeah um just a game wise an, yeah. an interesting fact it was the first time that the reigning uh, reigning champions yeah. have um, conceded seven goals since Sunderland in 1953. Yep. Um, Big L. Just... Yeah, it was the first time that Liverpool conceded six goals in a game um, since 1963. Yep. Which I, is... Like, I, I can't really... Shocker. Yeah, I can't really talk too much on it, but... No. You know, Villa... I, it, the only way I can put it is that on a good day, Villa still beat us at least three two. Like in the take way that away, you played, yeah. Take away their three deflected goals and the one mistake, they still win three two. Yeah. And also, I'll just add, um, 
lastly, Tiago and Mane both had coronavirus, so they're ruled out. And Allison's injured. Yeah. Allison was injured. Oh, he missed. He failed a fitness test before the well, not before the match on the day of the match. Um, yeah. Um, one That's thing I would say. add, um, regardless of this match, <clears throat> you've kind of seen. I think you kind of saw it with Leeds, the Leeds match. Maybe to a lesser extent, the Chelsea match. Um, the way that Klopp's been setting up recently, I, I think it's bound. This has been bound to happen just because he's set up quite very high, and that's kind of the um, the fashion at the moment. Yeah. And then the players aren't able to drop back enough to support the keeper, and the um, front mid players um, aren't very good at. They don't have any basic defence. Like our attacking midfield. Yeah, but... Cater, yeah. Cater and... One Eldon more than Cater has a better defensive record or yeah. defensive, you know, skill just, set. Just, just... There are some players, there's more and more players that are, like, attacking players and some midfield players that have no... They don't train any defense at all. Yeah. So they, they can't step in to stop the ball. And it's just... A, I think it was bound to fail. I think... Klopp was going on the fact that they could always overpower the team and always be, you know, um, they'd be there to stop any retaliation. But yeah. obviously it didn't work and they're going to have to rethink their structure. And Yeah. Um, they, yeah. they, Liverpool played a high line for those defensive set pieces pretty much for the entirety of last season. Mm. And I'd say eight times out of ten, it would automatically the player would be caught offside before yeah. they like before they even get in the chance to score a goal, mm. and with with it now it's happened. It happened in the Leeds game and it happened in this game twice. Yeah, the second time, or the first time they didn't score. The second time they did score. Um, yeah, it's only going to become more and more common that players and teams and going to be able to figure it out mm. because mm. it's happened already twice this season. Um, but yeah, I could. You could have a look if you watch the game back again. You can see the weaknesses. Um, so many gaps too. Yeah, the first like playing that high line and especially with counter attack press, they they all their good goals they scored were on counter attacks. Um, Grealish scored his two goals. Barkley scored his goal off counter attacks. Um, and you can tell from the start of the game since the Gomez or Adrian Gomez era, um, they targeted. Gomez's side. I can't fault um, Van Dijk for this game. He didn't. He, they didn't. They didn't target that right hand side, and especially uh, Van Dijk and Robertson actually played all right, as well as Salah. I'd say they were my yeah. top three. Gomez, which another thing I did see with Klopp, he usually doesn't make those, um, you know, those split decisions based off an action. He dragged Gomez off, which I've. You don't really see with what he does. He dragged him. Um, and that was they a put, statement. They put yeah. Fabinho, who played there once, they put him at centre-back. So, yep. you know, um, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. At least there's an international break now and they can take yeah, time to reassess time and get ready for Everton, which is going to be a massive game. Um, a lot on the line for that one. Yeah. Um, well, I would probably... Add to that when you said about last year, how they did the same thing. Yeah, they did, and it kind of worked because people weren't used to it or they didn't expect it yeah. or they just overpowered teams. But I think Watford were the first team to to really 
it see did. what they could do with it, and it worked for them. And ever since then, they're going, oh, if Watford can do it. Yeah, I so, can tell you right now, I can, I can name the teams that did it. Mm. Burnley did it. Villa did it last season. Watford did it. Um, there's one more team. That but I think it. it's also that they play like that anyway, because they have to. I think it's it's more they're not as attacking or the way I see it as is, strong as other teams anyway, so they have to take advantage of the yeah. weaknesses. I say the way I see it is teams like that who well last season were on the latter end of the the league table, they more had to evolve to the way that the other team played mm. to you know play to their weaknesses. Whereas teams like City, Chelsea, Leicester, they have their own defensive structure mm. and they don't really have to evolve to play against them. No. They have their own, uh, you know, set Style, ways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we've covered every base. Yeah, anyway, um, that was the week that was. <laughs> we'll now move on to um, a main segment uh, basing around the handball rule, which we'll pretty much talk about off of the back of last, last week and the results there. So we'll do that now. So for our main segment today, we're going to be uh, discussing the handball rule um, and all of the you know drama that's been surrounded by it, mainly on the back of last se- uh, not last season, last week, um, you know where there was a couple games where you know penalties were given because of the handball rule and games were decided because of those penalties. Um, but what we'll do is, I uh, I'll go through the ruling. On the that's come from the Premier League site, um, and then we'll you know I'll ask a couple of questions and like that'll stem off into a discussion. So pretty much, last season they had the rule where it was if it touched the arm, if the arm was in an unnatural position, I believe it was deemed a foul. Um, and now it's if it if it's touched the arm at all. I'll read the actual quote um, from the from the site. So the boundary between the shoulder and the arm is now defined as by the bottom of the armpit down. That's from that's the actual, you know, where handball is deemed handball. So uh, on the diagram that it's shown, um, it's pretty much below the sleeve. If a player's wearing, well, if anyone's wearing short sleeves, they have undergarments and stuff. But yeah, below the sleeve is pretty much handball. Um, shoulder does not count. Um, and to penalise a player for handball, the match officials must have a clear evidence that the ball has struck the player's arm below the bottom of the armpit or in the red zone of the diagram. Um, you can see that on the Premier League website. Um, so the first thing uh, I want to ask is, do you think it's a good idea that... the um, the rule is no longer subjective and that it's just a flat out rule. Like if it touches your arm, it's a, it's a handball. It should be sub uh, objective, um, not subjective, not up to any, um, referee's, uh, interpretation of the rules. I think that's ridiculous because that just ruins the consistency of the rule. And especially with the... Um, natural position, like yep. the referee can't really decide so what he's So let's get into the historical facts and the why handball's a thing. So handball is only there because when um, football was, association football was created, which we now, is football the, with the round ball and the goals and the 11 aside. And the players, yep. Um, more or less. 
Uh, before that, there was a thing called street football. Uh, it's still played in some parts, occasionally in the UK, where you just have a ball and there's two air goal areas on either side of the town, like miles apart, and you can do whatever you want to get that ball to the goals. Um, so they came down and one group of people decided, no, we'd like to use our hands and so forth, and that became called that became known as rugby football because it was um, the rules were formatted. Uh, created in the town of Rugby in England. So that is what we now know as Rugby Union and Rugby League. Hence, using your hands. And the other side decided, no, we want to uh, make sure you can only use your feet in the action of play to score, to block, to pass. Not do anything. Um, nothing to do with using your hands. The, the hands weren't meant to be like, oh, you can't touch a ball. That wasn't a thing. Um, it's only been more recent that that's become a thing. Um, and it's come to the point where if at any point um, you as a player, a defender most likely, touch the ball with your hand in the motion of um, someone kicking, trying to score a goal, whatever, even if you jump up and your hand automatically goes up because it's a, a reflex, you can't mm. help it, and it touches the shoulder... Um, just below your, below your shoulder, which doesn't affect the goal at all. If you were facing backwards, they wouldn't call it handball, right? Mm. So you're facing forward. It skims off your thing. It might still go in, but that's a penalty because it's handball under these. Well, uh, if it goes in, it doesn't matter. Well, no, but if it doesn't go in, you yeah. might be standing on the other side of the goal and the guy's completely missed, but it touches you. Oh, that's a penalty because it's inside the box. It's ridiculous. The only reason it's there is to stop people scoring with their hands, like Diego Maradona famously did in the 1986 World Cup. Um, But it's only there to stop people scoring with their hands and to stop people blocking it. And if you're not um, obstructing the chance on goal or you're not scoring with your hand, it shouldn't be a penalty. That's my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. If you don't go, if you don't stick your hand out, if your hand gets hit by the ball... What are you meant to do? Like, have your hands behind your back? Well, you, that's that what loses you're your balance. Now, the minute the like the minute the ball enters the box, you most likely see the defenders with their hands behind mm, their back because they're scared. Even if their hands are behind their back, some of their arm is still visible. That's ridiculous. And that's the thing. And um, then it's then it's still oh that's handball. That's ridiculous. This is where I have some grey area about it. Mm-hmm. VAR is used now, you can see it with offside how, yeah. you know, they're told not to raise the flag straight away because VAR is going to intervene anyway. Thing with handball, if it hits their arm, the ref blows straight away. Mm. It doesn't go to VAR. Like, they don't let the play, or most of the time, they don't let the play play out or yeah. go out to touch. I, yeah. The ref will blow it straight away. And it will end the play. Yeah. Either way, if it's deemed not handball or it is handball, it's either a penalty or a foul. I think the um, maybe they should apply the same rule they have with the offsides. Only, but then again, you have offside rulings that are ridiculous anyway. Right? When you look at back of VAR and oh, their, like if their kneecaps, hair is if their toenail offside. It's nuts. It, like it's like that doesn't affect the game. And like you said, like how handball stops people from scoring with their hands. Mm. If their arms offside, how is that going to affect it anyway? Yeah. The, and that's, that's a, a whole that's a whole nother yeah. like ballpark to go Sim- into. Similarly to the offside rule, how yeah. it's been 
uh, manipulated by VAR oh, yeah. and oh, what exactly is offside and oh my god, um, it was only there to stop um, plays I'm just sitting who are directly and clearly offside because mm. that gives you a clear advantage against the defenders mm. um, when scoring a goal. Um, but when you're pretty much in the same line as them or you're, and I, I don't know, you know, they're thinner than you or whatever, you have bigger strides in your legs, then that's yeah. that's not uh, an advantage necessarily. You're still on line roughly with them. It's down to the yeah. centimetres, ridiculous. And the same goes with the way that this has been interpreted, the handball rule. It's It should not really come into play at all. It just mm. ruins the game, really. I think the... The main part that I like about it is that it's objective. It takes away, you know, the opinion, the, yeah. the split opinions that That's other good. refs may have. And it takes away the fact that one ref may say he's in a natural position, one ref may say he's he's not mm. in a natural position. But I think it's However, the wrong it's the wrong interpretation. Of I it. think the main problem with it is that the penalty given for it is really harsh. Mm. Okay, it could be a complete accident. Um, or the, it could be literally just kicked into See, your arm and you, yeah. you could give up That's a goal for that. Kicked into your arm is a bit stupid. If someone sticks their hand out to obstruct the play, that's yeah. handball. Otherwise, yeah. it shouldn't really be. But that's the thing That's the thing with um, that couldn't be applied last season because of the um, natural movement. They couldn't... Yeah, but if you do that, that's what. not natural movement. Well, it depends if they're jumping or not. If they're just standing there and put their arm out, then yes, fair enough. Yeah, but even if you're jumping and you can... S- tell if someone's jumping and they go or they yeah. just jump and their hand goes up while they jump and you have VAR and you can use that now to determine that um, but if it hits their arm now it's a foul yeah but this, also what it does for defenders is they're thinking oh I'm not going to let it hit my arm I'm not going to let it hit my arm because I don't want to give away a penalty they're not focused on their job that they have to do Yeah, you know what I mean so clear that, the ball. it's just but, ridiculous yeah so first question that I sort of already answered myself was mm. do you think it's too harsh or do you think it should have a different sort of um adjudication for within the penalty box because it is the same in and out of the box whereas if it touches you yeah, it's a foul the, it's not a penalty outside the penalty box no 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 but what i mean like a foul a foul in the box is a penalty yeah and a foul outside the box is just a, f- a free kick but no, I- um do you think it's too harsh inside the box well it shouldn't be a penalty well, do you feel like there should be something, or like a different sort of rule for yeah, that, I, I or think it should the, be a different, no, a I, different foul? No, I, I think any foul inside the box should be a penalty if it's clear foul. But the problem is the de- the determination should be, as you say, objective. But the way that it is written to be the distinction of what is handball, um, I think needs to be more specific, not just yeah, it, if it hits this part of your arm at all. That's um, handball yeah. no matter what it needs to be specific um, I think it should be like a last resort thing it was never designed to be uh, like a oh yep that's handball mm. it was he's deliberately done that yeah and you can and like if common um, sense logic it still applies to other areas of the game giving away fouls if you don't hit yeah. the touch of the ball first you know mm. you, you go and swipe their legs or something yeah. Whether think, it's a yellow card or a red card, same thing. Yeah. That's up to the umpire and that's what they're there for. So yes, it should be objective, 
but the umpire is there to adjudicate that specific game at that time. Yeah. And he will have, or should have, um, and generally they do, have the same um, consistency throughout the whole 90 minutes. The next game might be um, refereed by another ref, but their views will be still consistent. Does it affect the table in terms of someone gets more penalties or not? Kind of, but not really enough to make much of a difference. You see that across every sport, though. Mm. There's more than one ref in every sport, and they're all going to have slightly different views on what's... like. It's a big topic in AFL right now. Mm. Like, with a number of rules, we won't get into it, but a number of rules have been split this season. Do the linesmen have any... um, They barely do anything now. If it's clearly offside, they put the flag up. Yeah, no, if not, but, they just put it up at the yeah, end to, so, for VAR to check. Yeah, yeah. Do the linesmen have any say or um, conversation with the on-field referee to say, oh, that was handball? Because they're on a specific angle too. The yeah. referee, there's only one referee on the pitch at a time. It's not like other sports where there are two or whatever. Yeah. And so they have to be looking at everything at, at once. I don't, and I know that's why they think. brought in VAR. And they can go and they can look at it. Yeah. I don't necessarily think... Um, well, you, you... Maybe give the linesman a bit because more. Because the linesman can call a foul sometimes mm. when it's right in front of them. I haven't seen a, a, no. a linesman call a handball. But at the same time, it's a foul. So, I wouldn't mm. be surprised if, you know, they did one day. But, yeah, the, the main conversation piece of it is that yeah. in the box... And no, linesmen yeah. don't call fouls when it's in the box. I, I think, yeah, the, the the worst thing to come of it is that they've lost the true meaning of what handball was there to do. Yeah, like, and it's blown that much yeah. out of context that it's never going to go back to that. Yeah, And even if you stick your hand out to touch the ball and it goes in, or it really, touching a ball, it, it really doesn't have a lot of effect in most cases. Yeah. Um, of the trajectory of the ball, because they get, you know, strikers hit balls pretty fast and you can't really, you have to... Yeah, well, you see deflections happen all the yeah, time. Yeah, and you're more, it's more obstructive to go and slide tackle in the box. Yeah. <laughs> That's clear cut. Yeah. So, and it's more, um, it stops the momentum a lot more than handball. It, um, you know, hurts the player. It, you know, so that that's fair enough. And that's more um, obstructive to the actual play than a handball. Yeah, I think yeah. it's um, there's it a lot that at. needs to be looked at. It well and truly might not even be looked at. Yeah, the it, fact that it's taken away, you know, all the different types of views that people have on it. Mm. People now just see it handball in the box is a penalty. Yeah, I and feel of course, like it, I feel like it's just going to take getting used to in the at the end of the day. I don't know if they're going to keep changing nah, it because they've changed I, I, it two times in the last three seasons. Mm. I think if they change it again, it's just going to keep messing things up. Yeah. Um, and the funny the thing, thing, it wasn't a problem before VAR. Like that's it wasn't a big problem VAR. before VAR. VAR is just going to keep having um, these implications with rules because more and more and, rules are going to be yeah. um, adjudicated by VAR. And then every time, once every rule is under <laughs> VAR, it's going to be completely normal. And it's going to take time to do that. Because when VAR, yeah. hold on, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> once, when VAR was introduced, how long did that take for people to get used to? The stopping yeah, in the games. It, yeah. Are you used to VAR now? I am. I think it's a I'm decent thing in most I like. I like VAR. I like the like the yeah, way it's used no. and the way the way it's implemented. Yeah, but talking about this specifically, um, 
what's to stop this is the with the definition by the Premier League what's to stop a, a striker or a, someone attacking their goal mm. from going I can't score from here I'll aim for his arm that's what I'm this is what I was going to talk is about the, that is the scariest I'm bit. glad that no teams have you know taken advantage of the rule it will happen I feel like it will happen people talked about it in the Champions League final remember when Mane they said that oh he's passed it into Dyer's arm when he wasn't but oh, who knows but no he, one will know except for yeah. him um, that's worse than that's, someone sticking yeah. their hand out because that's not good sportsmanship we, yeah, and that's just we haven't yet seen that happen and I hope it doesn't get to that because the minute it gets abused it like that the minute it gets abused like that it's over and they can't they won't change the rules straight away it's just gonna it'll blow straight out but, no, but I think if you're in a team like if you're in a team in a competition like the Premier League where winners of if you finish fifth instead of sixth you get X amount more million dollars than sixth mm. say um you're going to be exploiting all the rules possible and trying to go, oh, yeah, that's handball. Because oh, yeah. you want to win the game and you win more games, you get more money, you get better, you yeah. win more stuff. That's the whole point. So it's there to be exploited. Um, and it, in my opinion, and you can argue with me if you want, but it takes away from the original purpose of the rule and, yeah, it just ruins the game, really. Yeah, in... Just to sum things up from my point of view, I just feel like, yeah, it can be exploited way too easily mm. and the penalty, it, accidental or not, is too harsh. Well, ac- accidentally, if it is accidental, Definitely. it's way too harsh. Considering it, the way that it could be exploited and the, there's no real ruling against hitting it into someone's arm. Per se, no, because there's, there's always no plays around. That, so you could do that to get a free That's penalty. the thing. There's always plays around, and this is when subjectivity comes into it again. The ref could be like, who are you passing it to? Mm. There's plays around everywhere. You can just say, oh, it's going in. I think penalty kicks have become too common. Yeah. I think I, they have been something that should have been a last resort. Like red cards have become more uh, common. They yeah. sh- should be used as a last resort when players aren't, um, playing within the spirit of the game, which is still yeah. a big part of the actual game, um, and then that's a penalty. That's a clear violation of the the ethics and the rules of the game. Whereas yeah. now everyone gets a penalty for pretty much anything in the I, box. I was trying to remember there was back when I started watching like Premier League mm. in like 2015. Penalties were so rare, rare. and red cards, red cards not so much. Penalties have become more and more no. prominent. Than red cards. Red cards, I still think... You red know, cards are probably worse than penalties. In terms of how the game changes, mm. yes. Penalties and I, I think penalties can happen to either side. I feel like red cards generally aren't as controversial as penalties. Yeah. Uh, last season, there was a couple with It's a bit Son. like, um, uh, just going off a bit, similar to the foul throw rule, which hasn't been really enforced, it seems, because um, Hector Bellerin says he's always... Um, throwing it in that way even though it's incorrect and under six um, kids um, playing in Sunday League would not even do that Mm. Um, so something like that which has kind of been ignored for its true purpose yeah I don't know it's it's concerning but um, they can't be perfect those uh, like a throw in like that 
yes, it's like a breach of the rule that's there, hmm. but how much of an effect does it have on the game? It doesn't have the same effect as a handball. I'm just trying to like it's it more of to... like a it's more of like a careless, like you don't really yeah, take but, that much notice to yeah. it. Yeah, the but it goes back to the same point as it was brought in as a rule yeah. originally to stop one team having a clear advantage over the other team. Yeah. Um, and that's really all handball is. It's if you obstruct play um, deliberately with your hand, Yeah. that's a penalty. That's a foul. Um, so, so what would be your... What did I write? Um, what would your be your ideal perception of handball? I would... Break it down as well. I like. would... Okay, so I would... My ideal perspection, perspective of yeah. um, what handball should be classed as is, yes, it should be objective. Um, so like it should a be set rule. Yeah, a yeah, set rule for the whole. It shouldn't be up to the umpire necessarily, um, although they will ultimately be the ones who call it or not. Um, it and should refs be also just add refs have the decision to check with VAR or not. Yeah, so they could go no. That's ridiculous. Yeah. We're not checking that. But they've got. But the then again, piece. they're more they've likely got the to, to because yeah. the backlash that they would get if they didn't. And oh my god, that's why it's there. I don't think VR is necessarily a bad thing now. Um, but they're advised if there's any doubt yeah. whatsoever to check. I would it. limit it to say your hand, your actual hand, because it's called handball. Yeah. So the whole of your hand, backside, front side, whatever fingers in between, yeah. um, up to. Midway between your shoulder and your the start of your hand. Shoulder or elbow? Elbow. So, <laughs> the elbow and the start of your hand. So, halfway between there. So, you still... Um, or maybe even less than halfway. Maybe a quarter of the way. So, it's your hand and um, a small portion of your arm. So, yeah. if you go... Yeah, it's or, very much clear. And you have to be able to show that you the person's deliberately... Stuck their hand out yeah, but that's the thing. in a motion. That would right? then take away the. It shouldn't have anything to do it. with it hitting your arm. If your arm is straight, if your arm mm. is up, because that, that's like if you're jumping up and the yeah. ball hits, like you can't really avoid that. Well, who jumps up with their hands in the air? If it's mainly on the way down, your hands okay, are yeah, away so from your body. Anyway, if, you're, if your arm's in a natural position, right, right but that's like the it was. subjectivity of it. Not necessarily, because. Well, so if you're standing there and your arms are down and it hits your arm, that's under these rules, handball. It shouldn't be like that. If you if you extend your arm and it hits your hand or halfway between your uh, elbow and your arm, call it handball. Otherwise, it shouldn't be. It should be a last um, resort thing to call something handball. Yeah. It shouldn't be used... As an everyday rule, it should be just like last resort if someone's deliberately done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be something like a a tackle. If a tackle, if you're given a foul tackle, that's common because it happens a lot. Yeah. Right. It, it shouldn't be you something that happens every day. as much as a foul on any other part of the pitch with your legs. Yeah. Well, my original, I've sort of stuck around the same lines pretty much for like the last two years mm-hmm. of my rule of it. And it's evolved the way the game has. And I've sort of, I want to implement the same way the rule is now and just tweak it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, 
very rarely you see a handball given due to an unnatural position. Mm. It's rare. Yeah. So my ideal perception of handball would be elbow or below. Mm-hmm. Put keeping that in mind, when players put their arms behind their back, it could hit their your forearm. No, no, no. Their forearm isn't seen. It's only their elbow and up that's seen. Mm. So if it does hit their arm, it's part of like their defending. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you know. And if they're push your if, arm they're, if into it your hits, torso. if it hits them when they're facing behind the back, then again, it doesn't I don't, make a difference. I don't think that players should have to put their arms behind their backs because that just makes them focus on that. That's a big problem too. I don't it think it's that. I can't. I can't imagine it being that much of a problem. I feel like it's almost natural for most defenders to put their arms behind their back when the ball's coming in. It depends, though. I think if it might they're be chasing, a habit. I don't think it's if natural, they're though. chasing in a counter attack, they're not going to be running with their mm. arms behind their back. But at the same time, if they're chasing if the arm, a, the ball's not going to hit their arm. Yeah. If it's a free kick, that's completely different. I think because you're free prepared. You go. Oh, he's going to check shot. Not if you turn around. You're not going to go. Set you know pieces. I mean? yeah, set pieces are actually probably more difficult. Yeah, think but, about think about the Villa one that happened on the weekend or last night, the one yeah. they got over the back and the yeah. cross. Think about how much time you would have. Say you're a defender running back and mm. the cross comes in and you're not prepared for the ball to come in and it just hits your arm. No, I think yeah, you have more time in set pieces because you know what's going to happen. If you're reacting to the game of play, you, you shouldn't have, have to go idea what's gonna put happen. your arms behind your back. Anyway. It's it's a tough one and I don't believe like I it's just I don't expect it to change. That's the thing. Mm. And I feel like it's, gonna it's be just going to be something. Uh, I don't know if it will get exploited. I feel like if it, I reckon people will start shooting at people's. Own. I think it's just going to be something that will just gradually get used to. Um, to be honest, and I don't mm. think, like, I just hope for the sake of the spirit of the game that it doesn't get exploited. And I, I don't imagine any, you know, head coaches or anything saying specifically if you can't shoot then hit it into the arm like it wouldn't be a direct order at all it would mainly be a split decision whether oh should i just do this real quick and maybe yeah get a okay so let's have a think about it though in in a, circ- a hypothetical circumstance it's the champions league final it's one one it's 90 minutes and there's eight no nah, not champions league premier league oh, premier league and you have to win to win, um, the league. win the league and it's one one and it's the 90th minute and you have a shot there's no way you're going to score what would you do if you're a player? You would hit it at someone's arm that's close to you inside the box if you're just outside the box. In the, and then you get a penalty. And then you win the game on the penalty. I, otherwise, I couldn't, you, I otherwise, or even worse, in my opinion, it would be you're that close to relegation, same 1-1, yeah. or you need a goal to, to secure promo, um, staying up. I just if I was late. a Premier League player, cynically, even if it may look bad or whatever... You're still going to go bang because it's not against the rule to shoot into someone's yeah, arm at this stage. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just personally couldn't relate because I don't. I don't know what goes through their head or what their you know their main goal is because you never well, know. Like for, for an attacker, team, for an attacker, is their main goal to try and attempt a goal or uh, force a penalty? Because a penalty no, is a better not, chance at a goal. It doesn't. Matter, in my opinion, it doesn't matter what who the player. What if obviously you want to stay in the Premier League. Right, you don't yeah. want to get relegated, or you want to win the Premier League, you know. Yeah. Um. So you will do what it takes. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's just yeah. tricky. It's so tricky because yeah. there's heaps of loopholes that can arise from it. The 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 big thing I'd say 
overall is that it has been taken out of context of how it was originally supposed to be applied um, and it, it was never meant to be a big part of the game and it has become a big part of the game. Yeah. Penalties have become more um, more a part of the game and yeah, it shouldn't be that way and it's sad to see it yeah. happen. I just hope, like, all taken into consideration, the only way it can be taken out of hand is if players exploit it and I just hope mm-hmm. for the love of God and oh, the I hope faith it doesn't of happen, the but game I, that I it think just it does happen. not get exploited. And I think the fact that it hasn't yet may suggest that it won't. It's too early to judge, no. but I feel like if if it would have been exploited, it would have happened already. Like it would have happened at least once, which it hasn't. So maybe. I mean, it's only been four games. Yeah, um, but there still would have been plenty but like, of chances. You know, but time and time again, it's not just like if you want to use a real word world example, um, you know, things like oh, uh, why why should there be regulations on businesses to pay, pay their employees so much when they earn so much, blah, 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 blah. Oh, they should do that anyway because it's the right thing to do. No. It's time and time again, you see things like that. that they, of course, they're not going to do it because they don't have to. Yeah. Right? They're going to exploit yeah. loopholes. Yeah. And in a situation in a sport, which is not just a sport, it's a big business, um, and success is everything, they're gonna, there will be players out there who may be under pressure from their manager, may be under pressure to start the next yeah, match, perform, yeah. um, who will go, oh, well, may as well, I'll try this. It's not against the rules. Why yeah. can't I do it? Well, it only exactly. takes one. It only takes yeah, one player to do I'm it. Saying. And then the next player does it, next player, and it becomes common. And that's not what you want to happen. I hope it doesn't happen, but I think it will. Do you like how it's being judged so far this season? Yes or no? Overall, I yeah. think... I can't say yes or no, but overall, I think, I would say, it's probably 60-40 in in favour, in terms of the judgments in only the first four matches. There has been some that have been just ridiculous. Yeah. But it's the ridiculous ones that make it stand out, which make people go, oh, well... I don't think it's more... I don't think it's as much ridiculous. It's more unlucky. Because it, it, there's a couple of yeah, but like luck different instances. Luck shouldn't really have a, I know, that's the thing, have a like, part in handball. Yeah, that's, that's the, whole, the whole thing with it. And anyway. take luck aside, I actually like the way it's being adjudicated. I, I think I think the rule's stupid, but I think the referees have done a decent job of applying Oh, they've 100% done a decent job. They haven't made a mistake no. yet. So, yeah. I think <laughs> we'll, Depends who you support, but yeah. Well, yeah. Well, when you think about it in hindsight, you got to realise that it can happen to any team at yeah. any time. So, anyway, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up. Gone there. a bit on. Yeah, we we went on for a little bit, but um, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, that all made sense to everyone out there. But yeah, we'll now move on to the transfer whispers. There's only one day left in the transfer window, um, so this will probably be our second last. Transfer whispers for a while. Yep. Um, next episode, we'll be talking about our uh, grading every team's transfer window. Um, so we'll go into the transfers now. So for our transfer whispers this week, as I said before, there is quite a few as it is the penultimate day of the transfer window. Um, so we'll quickly uh, get through these. For the confirmed transfers, we'll give them a rating out of 10. And then I'll speedily go through the awaiting and the ongoing rumors. Um, based around the Premier League clubs. 
And then, as I said last uh, segment, next week we'll go through and grade every team's uh, ins and outs for the window. So, without further ado, we'll start off. The first confirmed transfer of the past week was Ruben Diaz from Benfica to Manchester City, 23-year-old centre-back. Um, it cost Manchester City £50 million pounds plus Nicolas Otamendi. Uh, so a total value there of £62 million. Pounds, and they signed him on a five-year deal. And Otamendi signs for Benfica on a three-year deal. What do you rate this one? Six and a half. Fair enough. I would probably give it... A s- yeah, I want to say six and a half, seven as well. Mainly because the player is not Premier League proven. And it's just another centre-back for Good Manchester Good get for Benfica, City. though, to get on Otamendi. They get a crap ton of money as well, so... Not bad on their half, yeah, and they get a player as well, so they don't have to find a replacement for him. And they pretty much get paid to get a player, so <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad. Um, the next confirmed uh, deal was Ross Barkley from Chelsea to Aston Villa, 26-year-old midfielder, on a 12-month loan. Um, and the wage split for that one's unknown, but what do you give this one out of 10? For Aston Villa mm, and for Chelsea. Eight. eight. He's proven he played... Pretty good yesterday, or this morning. Mm, for yeah. them. They scored, scored a, goal. a goal. Yeah, so I think he would probably he fits into that midfield quite well. Um, I think he will probably be a, a starter for the uh, majority of the season. I'll probably give it a eight as well. Um, our third confirmed transfer is Wesley Fafana from Saint Etienne to Leicester, nineteen-year-old centre back. Ready for this? For forty million euros. <laughs> Including add-ons. So I think it's... I'm pretty sure it's... Oh, yeah. 3,000 euros. Th- yeah, it's 35 million euros plus 5 million add-ons. On a five-year deal, what do you give this one? Add 10. Five? Right now? Yeah. Right now, I mean, I'd he could be the five. best next thing. He could be the best thing since sliced bread, but yeah. he's unproven. He's 19. It's a similar... Um, he's coming from St. Etienne, and they paid 40 million pounds... Uh, 4 million similar, euros for him. It's a similar um, transfer to that... Oh, who's that Wolves guy that they signed? No, that youngster from Wolves. Mm-hmm. Similar to that. I can't... Oh, freaking, I forgot his name. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's so young. And for that, much, for that amount of money, like I can't imagine it being paying dividends straight away. Mm. Um, but yeah, 40 million euros out of the bank for Leicester for a centre-back... We could potentially start, but I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, I'd probably give it like a five and a half, depending on where he ends up. Might go higher or lower. And next, a confirmed transfer is Adrian Silva from Leicester to Sampdoria. 31-year-old midfielder, uh, practically leaving on a free transfer. He's eight months left in his contract. Um, and he's leaving on a two-year deal. Um Probably good for Leicester just to get him off the books. Wasn't starting at all. So, what do you give this one? Is Fafana Portuguese? Oh, no. Leicester. Don't worry. Um, I don't know. Five? I think, yeah. I think just to get him off the books, I'd probably give it like a six or so. Freeze up the money. Shame they could get a fee for him, but I don't think it really would have mattered. Uh, our next confirmed transfer, Carlos Vinicius from Benfica to Tottenham. 25-year-old forward on a 12-month loan. Uh, the deal is worth 3 million euros. And they have an option to buy him for 45 million euros after his loan is uh, expired. The loan kings, Tottenham. 
you'll actually be surprised how many loans have been here. And it's becoming more and more popular, a loan with obligation to buy. It's it's actually... That's smart financially. Yeah. Um, it's like a try before you buy. Yeah, I reckon it's a good get. I'll probably go about seven. Yeah, I think it's a good get as well. Um, they didn't have to splash the cash straight away. They can obviously let him go after his loan's done. And he's a pretty decent uh, backup for start, Kane. No, nah, he'll be back up for sure. Uh, he'll probably play cup games as long as they're in the Carabao Cup, FA Cup. And probably play a couple of Premier League games while they're uh, in the Europa League. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to probably give it a 7 or a 7.5. Um, our second last confirmed transfer, Ryan Brewster from Liverpool to Sheffield, 20-year-old striker for £23 million, pounds, or £23.5 million, pounds, sorry, on a five-year contract. Uh, what do you give this? Nine. I'd say up there as well. Probably say eight and a five, eight point five. Oh, I, yeah, he could easily double in value in the next two years. Yeah, Sheffield also in need of a striker. They didn't have to break the bank as well. Only twenty million pounds. Wow, it's the biggest transfer um, fee they've paid. Oh ever. yeah. Well, I, I guess in terms of like the caliber of player and. You know their their record uh, fee. Yeah, he's he's relatively unproven though. Yeah, he's unproven. Yeah, he, he never really started for Liverpool. He was he was on loan. Where was he on loan last year? Derby. So oh no, Swansea. Sorry. Um, but yeah, twenty three point five million. It's good for both sides, I'd say. Um, and our last confirmed move was Moise Keane. <laughs> Moise Keane. Oh no, we <laughs> got another one. Uh. From Everton for, to PSG, a uh, 20-year-old striker as well on a 12-month loan. Um, I find this kind of odd. No. He signed a five-year deal last season. So mm. he being chucked out on loan. <laughs> he wasn't breaking into the team anyway. So eh. I see that the, the main reason why. Um, but yeah, I think it's good for PSG as well. They obviously just lost. Uh, well, are prepared to lose Cavani and Chupo Moting. Mm. Their most... Uh, they're two strikers there, um, but yeah, they've they've still got Neymar on that. So I, I still think Moise Kim will most likely be a sub. Yep. Um, what do you give this one? I don't know. Six. Think, yeah, I'm not sure. For Everton, it makes sense. I'll probably give it like a six point five seven. But yeah, for PSG, it's just a a backup option, I would assume. All right, moving on to the awaitings. I'll just skim through these. Uh, you can skip ahead if you don't. Oh, don't yeah. care about transfers. I'm just going <laughs> to go off the top of, uh, top of this. Uh, so, first one, Andres Pereira from Manchester United to Lazio. 24-year-old midfielder. Another loan deal obligation to buy for 27 million euros. The salary will also be shared. Uh, it's what Manchester United are looking to get players off the books and also try and raise funds for a particular transfer that most likely won't happen <laughs> this window. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's probably a good move for both teams. Next one, we've got Mikhail Croissants from East French. So, mind my French. Uh, for a Bayern Munich to Leeds, 21-year-old midfielder. Um, they agreed on a 20 million euro fee. However, Bayern want a buyback clause on a five-year deal. There has been problems with the method of payment in installments or up front, and the buyback clause has also caused some issues. The deal could potentially be off there uh, unless they f- uh, figure out something there. Um, but we'll keep track of that one. There's obviously only a day left to 
get that done. Uh, we've got Ben Godfrey from Norwich to Everton, 22-year-old centre-back. That one's pretty much confirmed. Uh, 25 Sounds million. like a, um, a good, a solid English lad you'd meet at a pub. Ben Godfrey. Ben Godfrey. <laughs> Surprised he didn't go to Burnley or something. Yeah, he sounds like a Burnley player. Ben 25 Godfrey. million pound fee on a five-year deal. Another something that Everton were looking for, centre-back. Um, so I think that's a pretty decent deal for them. They obviously couldn't get Tadebo from Barcelona. So they've gone to the championship. <laughs> from where? Barcelona. Barcelona. Oh, God. Uh, next up, we got Diego Dalot from Manchester United to AC Milan. 21-year-old centre-back. Again, Manchester United getting people off the books. Yeah, I'd, what are they doing? Hmm? They can't really afford to be losing players. No. I don't think I'm, they're not buying anyone. Enough. Yeah. Well, they, you wait. Besides see. an old man. But you wait. No. See. Uh, 12 month, simple 12 month loan with no buy option. Uh, he'll return next season. Timu Bakayoko from Chelsea to Napoli, 26 year old midfielder. Another simple 12 month loan, no buy option. He'll return at the end of the season. Uh, this one's probably the biggest, most strangest turd, biggest, one. Biggest turd. Huh? It's the biggest turd. <laughs> We got Edinson Cavani. Uh, he's obviously a free agent. Was released by PSG after his contract expired. To Manchester United, the 33-year-old striker is expected to sign a one-year deal uh, with an option to extend for 12 months. And this has come as quite a shock, uh, considering Manchester United were looking at the likes of Sancho and Usman Dembele, yep. and they've gone at the other side of the spectrum for a 33-year-old <laughs> striker. He's probably. I, I will say this: he will probably sell some shirts. Yeah, he probably definitely will. And that's probably the I highlights. Think, um, what did I say about this earlier in the week? Oh, I see it similarly to like the... It's their Sancho replacement. It's similarly to the Ibrahimovic when he went to United for that short spell. And I see. Ibrahimovic was better. Ibrahimovic is better. Like He's a bigger figure as well. Mm, yeah. But and he was similarly, also better at this age. If you want to go further back, I'm thinking of um, Falcao when he was at United for a year or two. Mm. Like that's that's the sort of vibes I'm getting from this one. Um, but we'll move. Um, uh, Michael Owen, same sort of thing when he went to United. United, yeah. Um, next up, we got Juan Foyth from Tottenham to Villarreal. 22-year-old defender, again, 12-month loan with option to buy for 15 million euros. And Villarreal uh, to pay 100% of his salary, which, again, is good for Tottenham, getting him off the books for a year. Again, who are they bringing in? They've got uh, Vinicius. They'll probably pay part of his salary on loan. Uh, but, yeah, can't really see that going a great deal. Um, next, Ryan Sessegnon from Tottenham to Hoffenheim. 20-year-old left back, again, simple 12-month loan, no option to buy. Uh, this one come through this morning as confirmed. Alex Tellers from Porto to Manchester United, 27-year-old left back for a 17 million euro fee on a five-year deal. He's passed all his medicals apparently, so waiting for that one to be confirmed. What? What are they doing? Yeah, exactly. It makes no sense. Oh, they they were in the market for a left back. They were looking for a left back. So? What? No, they were always linked to him, so I thought it was going to yeah, happen eventually. It's not going to work. Next, we have Chris Smalling from Manchester United to Roma. 
He was previously on loan there, 30-year-old centre-back. Um, he demanded to go back uh, on a permanent deal, £16.3 million. Pounds. Um, the length of the contract's unknown, but that one is awaiting to go through. Yep, get out while the ship is sinking. Exactly. And the last awaiting which came through hours ago is Rafinha from Wren to Leeds. 23-year-old forward uh, for £20 million, pounds, including add-ons, on a four-year contract. I believe it's £15.6 for the fee, and then it's the rest is add-ons. Yeah. Um, four-year um, deal there. Wren making, making some money deals. This uh, They're in the Champions League, so I'm surprised they got rid of... You know, one of their... Good for Leeds, though. It's good for Leeds. There are, the, the fact that Leeds have this pulling power to pull plays that are from... It's not Leeds, it's Bielsa, but yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, it could be a bit of Leeds, it could but be Leeds, mainly yeah. Bielsa. Um, anyway. But it's the underrated players that he get that he's going to get, and they're going to... Oh, no one else is looking at these players. I think that's a... What's he going to... Just potentially, that's a... I don't know, I can see that maybe tripling. His value. Mm-hmm. I think the main thing I'm he's taking away from this is the depth that he's creating in the mm-hmm. squad. Like, he's got that many options now. Um, and even, so I think he's even uh, Patrick Bamford, who everyone wrote off. Yeah, he's proving to be one of their best strikers. Yeah. Chelsea got rid of him. Yeah. Um, you know, he went back down to, like, League One and come back up to the Prem. So. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, lastly, we have all of our ongoing rumours. So I'll just skim through these and what stage they're currently at. If you have any questions, just raise your hand, class, and I'll uh, I'll answer them for you. <laughs> First one, Lucas Torreira from Arsenal to Atletico Madrid. 24-year-old midfielder, uh, passed all his medicals there and has agreed personal terms and a fee has been agreed. Oh, not a fee. An agreement has been agreed. Uh, 12-month loan with option to buy. However, Atletico Madrid will not be able to buy him until they sell the likes of either Herrera, Kalin, Kalinic, or Party. Um, so one of those is going to have to go uh, for the you know wage budget. No, not wage budget. Yeah, wage budget to increase uh, to bring him on. Uh, and this is all continuing of last week. Milan Skriniar from Inter to Tottenham, 25-year-old centre-back. Uh, Tottenham have refused to give up on this. However, their fee is miles apart. Um, Inter want 60 million uh, euros with add-ons included. So I think it was 50-10. But Inter will not sell him. Or I've said they won't sell him on the final day as they won't be able to buy a replacement. And I believe Tottenham's last offer was around 35 million euros. So fair way off there. Uh, Declan Rice from West Ham to Chelsea, 21-year-old midfielder. Uh, Chelsea confirmed that Rice was their main target. Um, however, Chelsea need to get players off their books to place another bid for him. However, West Ham have insisted they won't sell him. It's going to happen. That one is still hot on the radar, I reckon. It's it's going under the radar, Come but home. I think it's going to happen. Um, next, Omar Colley from Sampdoria to Fulham. Uh, 20-year-old centre-back. They're in advanced talks with him, uh, with the club, sorry, uh, after failing to reach uh, personal terms with Tadebo. However, they still have a an offer on the table for Tadebo for 18 million euros um, if they were to ever patch those things up. Uh, he's a starter for Sampdoria as well, 27-year-old. Oh, not 27. Oh, yeah, sorry, 27-year-old. I don't know why I've got 20. He's 27, so he's a mature-age player. Um, he could offer 
the maturity to the squad, uh, the Fulham squad. I think that's just about it. Fulham are a sinking ship as well. <laughs> Probably a bit worse off than Manchester United. Um, next up, Nikola Maksimovic from Napoli to West Ham, 28-year-old centre-back. Negotiations have just been open between the clubs in the last couple of days. There's not much else on that one. Somehow this has snuck its way back into the news. Jaden Sancho, Dortmund to Manchester United, 20-year-old forward. Uh, Manchester United told uh, have been told that 90 million euros was too far away um, and Dortmund have restarted their price tag of 120 million euros is still standing. Um, don't know where United are going to get 30 million from in the next couple of days. I doubt that one goes through. Said Kalasinic from Arsenal to Leverkusen, the 27-year-old centre-back, has opened talks with Leverkusen over a permanent deal around 11 million euros, including add-ons. He's agreed to personal terms as well. I have not added that to the notes. Um, now, moving on to Usman Dembele from Barcelona to Manchester United. Now, this one's taken uh, massive strides. He's gone from rejecting a permanent deal to Juventus, rejecting a loan deal to Liverpool, and he also rejected a loan deal to Manchester United. However, in the last couple of days, the 23-year-old winger has opened... He's open to leaving Barcelona now. Um, their talks have begun for a loan deal. Manchester United want uh, a loan deal uh, with obligation to buy. However, Barcelona prefer a permanent deal in order to raise those funds for Memphis Depay, um, which, again, I'll talk on Leon in a second... Leon mentioned that Depay and Auer were not going to leave only yesterday. Um, however, Depay is in an advanced stage to leave for Barcelona now. So I guess we'll have to wait and see for the next 24, 48 hours on that one. Uh, next I'm going, we've got Eric Garcia from Manchester City to Barcelona, the 19-year-old centre-back. Uh, Barcelona will offer around 17 to 18 million euros, including add-ons. Uh, player wants to go to Barcelona and the club's looking for an agreement. Uh, otherwise, he'll look to join them as a free agent next season when his contract expires. Uh, but Barcelona, if they want to submit a deal there, they have to sell to Debo. Next up, we've got Victor Moses uh, from Chelsea, the indoor 29-year-old midfielder slash forward. I believe he's currently on... He was on loan he's there last season. He's been on loan for the last... Hell, I don't know how many yeah. years. Um Inter was pursuing Marcus Alonso, um, but Chelsea didn't want to loan him out. So they've gone for a completely different player in Victor Moses uh, for a permanent deal. Talks have opened between the clubs for that. Um, and these last two deals have been talked off. We've got Hasim Auer from Lyon to Arsenal, 22-year-old midfielder. Um, so yeah, that deal, it looks to be off. Lyon have said to for it to be off. Arsenal have said to it, for it to be off. Um Pretty much they essentially said they'll never pay the 50 million euros plus add-ons. Um, that was the asking price from Leon, And Arsenal's last bid was 38 million euros uh, plus add-ons. I think it was added up to about 45 all up. Um, and yeah, Leon said both our and Depay would stay. However, as I said before, mm, Depay... Depay. <laughs> Depay is looking more and more likely to join Barca in the next uh, hours, so... Keep an eye on that. And the last ongoing, well, it's not ongoing because it's done. Uh, Hudson Adoy from Chelsea to Bayern, 19 year old winger. That deal is off as well. Yeah, as it's never going to happen. Bayern wanted him to loan 
Uh, Bayern wanted to loan him uh, with an option to buy. Clubs did not agree on that whatsoever. Chelsea wanted to... uh, Chelsea, if they were to looking to offload him, they would have preferred a permanent deal. However, the player didn't want to leave and Lampard wanted to keep him. Hansi Flick was actually really, really interested in him. Um, They had talks with the agent. Nothing agreed whatsoever. And that is all of the transfer whispers. So now we'll move on to the next segment, which is the upcoming games of the week. There's no Premier League action. However, there will be some Nations League. Um, So Shoppy will go on with that one in a second. So the games this week, there are no Premier League games, Premier League matches this week as there is an international break for the UEFA Nations League. And so just to go through a few of the UEFA uh, Nations League matches um, in Group A, we'll just do Group A because that's the the highest ranked nations, I'd say. Um, So Group A on the 11th of October, we have Ukraine and Germany. And Spain and Switzerland. Um, probably one-sided matches there. Mm-hmm. Moving on, we have Bosnia and Herzegovina taking on the Netherlands. And Poland taking on Italy. England will take on Belgium. Iceland will take on Denmark. Croatia will take on Sweden. And France will take on Portugal. That'll be a good game. Yes. Uh, and they are just a few of the Nations League Matches that will take yeah. place during this international break. And Premier League uh, matches will resume on the 17th of October. So, so we'll be, be sure back. to yeah. listen in for our predictions next week. Yeah, we'll be back with tipping next week. Um, obviously, the score right now is 25 to 26. Shoppies away. So, it's up by one. Yes. Um, um but yeah, they're just a couple of games to watch out for, um, to watch some Premier League players, I suppose, um, go up against, you know, play some other leagues. Yes, and it is important to note that Lincoln City are on top of the uh, League One standings, um, with Hull City and Ipswich Town following them. What's the championship looking like? Um, well, that's what we may use this time to have a quick look at the championship. So the EFL Championship, after four matches... We have Bristol City on top with 12 points, 4 from 4. Same with Reading with 4 from 4. Followed by uh, newly relegated Bournemouth, then Swansea, Luton Town, Blackburn Rovers, Watford, Birmingham, QPR, Middlesbrough, Millwall, uh, Rotherham, Stoke City, Preston, Brentford, Cardiff City, Norwich City, Coventry, Huddersfield, uh, Derby oh, County, Barnsley, Nottingham Forest, Wickham Wanderers, and Sheffield Wednesday. So that's Wednesday just... Wednesday on negative seven. Who? Sheffield Wednesday on negative seven points. Yes, not good. <laughs> anyway, um, that wraps up the games this week, or lack of games this week. <laughs> so we'll move on to yes or no. Now it's time for yes or no. If you're new to the podcast and you don't know how this works... Uh, Tom and I will each ask each other three questions and we can simply reply with yes or no. We can't explain our answers. We can just reply with yes or no. Tom, would you like to go first? No. All right. So my first question to you, Tom, is will Ole Gunnar Solskjaer end up being the first manager sacked this season? No. 
Okay. I say this three <laughs> asked me this like three times. But. All right, my first question to you. Are we going to see an upset in the top six race in the Premier League? Yes. All right. All right. I- my second question to you, Tom, is will Bruno Fernandes score more penalty goals than play goals this yeah. year? Yeah, 100%. Hmm. <laughs> Mr. Penalty. Um, Bruno Fernandes. Right. Bruno Penalty. Fernandes. Penalty Nandes. <laughs> uh, my second question to you is, are Everton the real deal? No. Ooh, they're close, but not the... Uh, no. Uh, my final question to you, Tom, is, will Pep Guardiola leave if they don't win the Champions League this year? I will say no. Right. Uh, my final question to you, seeing that both of Arsenal targets look like they're not going to happen, are Arsenal going to sign someone within the last two days? No. And that is yes or no. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with all the news um, surrounding transfers and the world of football, make sure to follow us at GZ underscore football. If you want to follow Ryan Shop on Twitter, you can follow him at RP underscore shop. And you can follow myself at Thomas Hayes underscore. Uh, and thanks for listening. Bye.